0: good morning, afternoon, or evening, or wherever you are. So I just did actually an interview with my neighbor, Omar. So Omar is working for, uh, or has been working for quite a few large financial institutions within the setup of active funds. So when we're talking about mutual funds, active trading, uh, the trader guys, like the guys who really manage the big funds, he's been involved with this, uh, he knows quite a lot about it. And I thought it would be valuable to also have kind of a discussion on this side of the investment industry, get an understanding of it, how does it work? Can it be valuable for us within the financial independence community? Challenge simply investing in ETFs. Is there more out there? Is there something to gain by active funds? Anyway, for me, this was pretty interesting and Omar and I have many of these discussions while uh, we walk through our local park over here and kind of like debate um, what's happening and I always enjoyed them and I thought that would be truly value in uh, bringing this to the show as well. So sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Financial Independence Europe podcast, where we interview people from all 44 European countries, all of them about optimizing your life, geo-arbitrage, and making the most of your money. This was your hosts, Alvar, Erminta and Matias. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another podcast episode of the Financial Independence Europe podcast. Today, we're going to have one of those discussions uh, the nerds of us will extremely enjoy. um, Well, I am going to do this together with uh, my live guest for once, uh, Omar, who's
1: sitting right next to me. Hey, Omar. Hi, Alvar. Thank you for having me good stuff so just a disclaimer i'm alvar's neighbor (laughs) (laughs) yeah and a
0: fair call we're both biased uh, in that way yeah (laughs) so today we actually want to talk about um active funds and what they can mean for you as an investor how they work and what effectively it means for financial independence Um, and why did i ask omar to join me um Omar has been working for large financial institutions for quite a few years. He has worked on the inside. He's an active investor himself. And I'm just really curious to dive into this with Omar because he's the expert on this. I can only make generic assessments and I hope Omar can enlighten us a little bit with his knowledge. And just minor disclaimer in advance, whatever you hear on this episode is not meant as financial advice. Simply... Yeah, take it as financial pinch of salt. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Do your own research, and if you make investments and you lose money, it's your own responsibility. So, Hiba, you have been warned. And anyway, let's go for this. So, Omar, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? where you're from, how did you end up working uh, for all these big financial institutions?
1: Yeah, sure. So also another thing in the UK, we hear it a lot. So investments can go up as well as down. So it's on you guys. If you That's I think. <laughs> they always mention it in all, every financial institution, every left lead, um, all the asterisks and the small stars. So let's take it out of the way. So I had my master's degree here. I did my master's degree at the University of Glasgow. Then I was lucky enough to work for City, Sure, because I had a bit of experience working in a retail shop. Before doing my master's after working for city, I went for a small company called FNZ. They, they do like platforms mm-hmm. and they are into our platforms and everything. After that, I went to HSBC and I think this is my, this is a, this was my, an eye opener for me. Cause it introduced me to the world of funds and from an accounting point of view, as opposed to just seeing mm-hmm. the funds and don't know what, what is it? So you see, like you dissect the funds, like. You understand every single thing in the fund so in this in this sense i will mention something called like NAV, nest asset value because this is all mm-hmm. what, what you care about when you invest in a fund which is like fund of funds let's say after hsbc i work for what do you call it uh standard uh aberdeen standard life which is like an wealth management or an asset management so it means uh, that made me see like both sides the financial side or the accounting side and the investment side so back to our point, what would be an active fund? An active fund mm-hmm. basically is just like something for institutions. They will bundle a couple of assets. So in our case, sometimes we call it funds, but we need to differentiate, differentiate between an asset and a fund. So for example, if a fund of funds, investing, for example, in Aviva and HSBC uh, stocks or shares in this case, HSBC shares, Aviva, uh, uh, Rio Tinto. So this would be assets for this fund. So in a way or another, we can say a fund is a vehicle. A vehicle is just like investing in multiple funds Mm -hmm. at the discretion of the fund manager in order to create something uh, or return for people or investors or stakeholders. That's the word they prefer, like... uh, Corporate people, Which like is, stakeholder is the most important word for them.
0: So the fund manager, he actually managed the vehicle. Within the vehicle, you've got the funds and within the funds, you have shares or whatever ways of investments exactly. the fund manager is using. And that's how the structure is set up. And I'm also just to ask, what was your own involvement with those funds? Like, what did you actually do in terms of like setting them up or? So
1: um, thank you for reminding me. Yeah, I think that's the main point. I used to set up funds, so that's my specialty. So Mm -hmm. uh, when I say like, I used to work in transitions and implementations. So basically, uh, when a new client gets, uh, when the company gets a new client, they decide with the client on what they want to invest, which is called like the mandate. And once they agree the mandate, we do the setups of the fund and all the uh, investment mechanism as per the mandate. And then we give it to the front office and the front office start investing in it. So in a way or another, let's say a client is risk averse. It's a pension for uh, the police. So let's say Police mm-hmm. Scotland or Police, I don't know, Scotland Yard or every company comes to the company, let's say Company Z or XYZ or Aberdeen Life, if you want in this case. They will tell Aberdeen Sandalife like, we are risk averse. We don't like to take risk. We want you just to invest in gilts. Guilt is just like a bond issued mm-hmm. by the UK government or bonds. So in this case, the fund manager won't invest in in everything. So the fund manager won't invest in derivatives or stocks or or like in HSBC stock or anything. It will be only like corporate share, corporate yeah. bonds. The client GILs. gives certain restrictions, exactly, and that's the IMA, yeah. and you can get out of the IMA. Mm-hmm. So the whole. The whole reason when you do it, like when when you do the setup of the fund, mm-hmm. when you do the setup of the fund, you just like do it. it's like a coding coding thing. So on the system you put a coding like the fund can invest in such and such and such, but it's not really a walk in the park because a fund setup can take between six to eight months, and it's like. Like a project management, like a proper project management type of thing. So you need to get in touch with every department involved, and with the UK regulations, you have some. You you need to have something called custody. A custodian should be always different than uh, what you have, like as a client. For example, if the company, let's say, is opening a fund with City, and City can hold the money, City should put the money with another company or other entity. It can be City custody, but this is a, a different entity than City itself or HSBC custody or Morgan. so.
0: Gotcha. So when the actual assignment is given, uh, the client gives a whole range of conditions. Exactly. But you, when you walk through the process of setting the fund up, which, well, as you mentioned, take anywhere between six to eight months, all the conditions that come with that, all the regulations that come with actually setting up the fund, the period, you manage that whole process. So say, for example, you know, I'm the client, and in this case, we're talking about large organizations they come over and say omar i please want this this and this you i assume you'll have a whole team actually helping out from different kinds of approaches specialism to actually set up this funds definitely yeah and when you run through the project to the process i actually think it's really interesting because those large organizations they um they invest in you yeah, to preserve capital and in the end capital growth yeah that works for whoever is invested with them so just a question in between would you say like is there what they do superior versus just um
1: like, like us like the retail people or the uh, normal people yeah correct so their the institutions so basically institutions they have more power than us and they have more uh, mechanisms than any normal investors so one of the funds for example when they invest whatever there is like residual cash mm-hmm. it invests in a mechanism for overnight banks so you get like liquidity or you get like it's called income sweep mm-hmm. or liquidity sweep so, for example, let's say the fund has like 1 billion asset under management. And out of this billion asset under management, there's like 900 million investing in bonds and guilds and 100 million just in cash. So, imagine like each overnight, this will get invested in a short uh, duration liquidity and they will get in- income on it or like they will get money. Uh, it's I kind mean, of like,
0: like a money market funds. Exactly.
1: But imagine like for us, like when we work for mm-hmm. the bank or when you have your money at the bank, you don't get anything on your. Uh, on your money or in your cash. Maybe some mm-hmm. of them will give you like, I don't know, 0.5, 0.2, but they have way more superior rates. They have way more superior technologies. They can do like FX hedging. This is something like you need to pay a lot of money. And I think if you want to check it online, it's like really complicated, but these guys have like already built in systems. They have brokers, they can reach every single market. And I always find it funny because for example, when they transfer like billions and billions, mm-hmm. no one ask a question, mm-hmm. for example, I can like type on, in five minutes or 10 minutes, we can transfer five billion and six billions. But imagine if you are a person and you want to go overseas or like invest in mm-hmm. a company and or you want to move your money, probably you'll get a lot of hustles and they will do like KYC on you, like know your customer and anti-money laundering and everything. But with these institutions, they can do whatever they want.
0: So we can fairly say they live um, within their own realm of rules. They might be legal, but they got a whole range of options available to them. We simply, as as private retail investors, we do not have. And I found actually what you mentioned, like cash-wise, pretty interesting. With my own brokerage account at Jiro, I also have a money market fund with them. I believe I get something like Mm. 0.001% interest. And they send me every year an email reminding me how grateful I should be. I'm actually getting that Mm -hmm. because um, they say they're actually making a loss on the cash, which, I mean... On, on paper, yeah, the, the yields are negative, so that's correct. So technically speaking, they should charge me if they have keep cash within my brokerage account. Yeah, and could you potentially say anything about the like, actual cash yields? Uh, funds uh, get are they get do they get like a few percent when they like put cash in a money market fund?
1: Yeah, they get like around. It uh, Depends on the yeah. broker and depends on the mechanism and also depends on the custodians because some custodians don't support mm-hmm. this and the others can support it, but. It's quite, it's quite a good amount. Like you are talking about zero point zero eight or zero point zero or zero point fourteen. So you are saying like zero point zero 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 something. Yeah. Imagine for them like on a daily like when you do the mm-hmm. calculations, it's like zero point zero eight or zero point zero four or zero point fourteen, which is quite good if you think about it. When you invest one hundred million, you get quite mm-hmm. good like income or returns on it just just like overnight on a daily basis if you don't invest it. So that's, obviously,
0: they have the scalability. They can go into the millions,
1: billions. Mm. Uh, and millions. even some of them, like, for example, to be honest, the fund won't only invest, like, in GBP or USD. Mm-hmm. They will have, like, a whole set of markets and a whole set of currencies as well. Like, uh, on average, like, there will be, like, 10 currencies minimum uh, in each fund, I like, see. Like, there will be, like, mm-hmm. Swedish krona. There will be, like, euros. There will be, like, uh, South Korean, uh, I forgot what it's called, but KWR or, like. Their currency, there will be like Turkish lira, there will be like Brazilian lira, USD, Canadian dollar, all kind of uh, every kind of thing or every even Taiwanese dollar. I think they have as well. Like, yeah, you can see a lot of funds like have multiple currencies and imagine each currency, some of them, like with the major ones, you can do this liquidity sweep as well. Mm -hmm. So imagine if you have like euro, USD and GBP, you can on each one have like liquidity sweep on it.
0: Okay, very fair call uh, because what it also means i have my main currency in gbp and when i see a drop in gbp as we've seen over the last years um it's effectively going down against the euro from like what is it 140 ish all the way to 106 um over in the last weeks uh, and then we're talking
1: like like 1.10 now. Yeah, yeah, one, I get your point. It,
0: it, yeah at this very moment and that just hurts if i could avoid that in any possible way um or I have my fund manager do that for me. I think it's a pretty big advantage.
1: Definitely. So that's, I think, why uh, active asset management is quite a good solution sometimes because, see, these mm-hmm. institutions as well, they have, like, their own brokers. They get, like, the perfect exchange rate. You don't need to... They don't take charges. And as well, think about it. They have all these mechanisms. Mm-hmm. So they can do hedging. They can, like, expect short or go long or short on certain currencies. And they understand the mechanism, for example, like we all know, for example, if the pound is going up, the FTSE will be down yeah. sometimes. If the FTSE is up, the pound can go down because you buy it cheaper. You can buy like UK assets cheaper. So the fund manager will already have this. Uh, the fund manager and his team will already mm-hmm. have all these kind of things. So yeah, definitely it will be a bonus uh, and they will see it too. But I don't see mm-hmm. this in ETFs. So if you are a passive investor, for example, because in ETF, if you are just like following the FTSE 100, it was just like a dupin. Currency won't matter much here because all what you're doing is like following the tracker, the benchmark. But with an active fund manager, he will go deep and try to work out the effects and work out the liquidity and work out the different assets. And to be honest, I've noticed with many like, uh, let's say, if a fund, active fund, investing in FTSE 100,
0: mm-hmm.
1: sometimes they add 5% and they invest in like really exotic markets. For example, they they will invest like in India or they will invest this 5 or 2% in Sweden or like in France. So sometimes they always introduce small things, like but really small percentages, but it can make a difference.
0: Okay, gotcha. Yeah. They can um like either insider market knowledge or not necessarily insider
1: knowledge but I think that's a big word if you say insider knowledge like can yeah. go to jail for that. Very
0: yeah. call. I think it's better to say a really good and strong understanding of certain markets research wise that goes far beyond that that's what we can do as retail investors. But one thing I actually would like to ask, because we're talking about retail and institutions now, certain funds, you know, only institutions have access to them. But as retail investors, do we also have access to,
1: like, most of those active funds? So... That's a really fair point. Yeah. I guess it depends on the platforms, uh, platform of investments, mm-hmm. and I guess uh, no, we don't have the same thing. Like institutions have more mechanisms than the retail ones uh, for certain, for many reasons, including the government. After 2008, all the governments in the world after 2008 learned a lot of um, learned a lot of lessons because of it. For let's say maybe for institutions, they go for a lot of derivatives, but uh, the government won't risk in your pension of you yourself investing in any derivative fund, like. They, even in your eyes, I talking about the UK mm-hmm. here, not the European market or the US market. But I don't think the government will allow people to invest in a fund investing in derivatives in their pension fund. So that's like a high risk. But for institutions, they can do whatever they want because they don't have a pension. They are not like us. They are just like entities, but different than our entities. Gotcha. Same. I think that's a big mistake, a big uh, difference. Sorry, no mistake. The other thing I remember you mentioned about, like, uh, institutions can do whatever they want or not. Anyway or another, before 2008, I think, anyway way or another, correct. But after 2008, the regulations change a lot. For example, you have, like, with each fund, we need to adhere to the regulations. So you have, like, FATCA, which is, like, the American one. FATCA is, like, if you are an American entity or you're investing in America or something, you need to declare all your assets or your income to the IRS and the American entities. You have the EMIR, which is like the European yeah. one. Uh, you have like uh, many other ones. So that's one of the biggest ones, like Eimer, Fatka FATCA, and Dodel-Frank and from the 20s and the 30s. Like, So there are rules there and regulations, but I guess as an institution, they have like an army of lawyers as well. <laughs> yeah, because if they want to invest in entities and they set up mechanisms, they have like an army of lawyers, an army of people who can go on a loop and do whatever in a way or another they want but they need to strict to get stick to the broad lines uh there also there's a joke i know that says like is it if if you're a retail investor and if you miss the train you miss the train if you're an institutional investor you bring the train you you change the (laughs) schedule and you and you relaunch (laughs) the train as well say like that's a really fun one
0: does it also mean because like what i would find it if i would be a listener right now i would be wondering okay all nice and good but can i at least get access or exposure to a number of these funds or like in what way um can i get access to them myself or like benefit at all um and i, I know like for example my own brokerage company i um, interactive investors is one of my brokerage accounts um, i've got uh the giro in the netherlands a number of other ones around europe And I know I have access to quite a few mutual funds and just funds in general. I can invest to, um, some of them are active, but can I really
1: compare those active funds to like the funds you're describing? Because those also have active managers. True. In a way or another, you can compare them because the same mechanism is like active. After all, it's active, it's not an ETF, it's not passive. Yes. But do they have the same abilities as the normal funds or like the funds for institutions? I don't think so. It's just like institutions, they have their own world, their own thing. So that's how they make money.
0: So you're saying I have those effectively retail active management funds. And if they have a couple billion or whatever um, under management, it's still pretty minimal versus what the big pension funds um, have got. Like who actually have hundreds of billions under management. Definitely. Yeah, that's yes. correct.
1: Uh to be honest, there are like many asset managers who are just in, just interested in retail like people like us they like the niche the niche yes they, they, for example or the boutique they won't be interested for example, in the big pension funds or like the giants like Blackrock or Vanguard or something, just like small they have like forty fifty million asset under management or hundred asset management, and they will be happy with that like they have they introduce their own funds and you can invest in them and they go to really thematic, for example, they go like to Latin America or Russian funds. They can invest in like demographics. Some of, some of them call like thematic. So they invest like mm-hmm. in energy or power or like renewable resources. I don't think you find like m- much ETFs or passive investments going and picking like individual funds and renewable energy. So I think that's you, you got really they, some of them go to frontier markets. So when I say frontier markets, they go like to Vietnam and like Cambodia and like really countries. Uh, you don't hear much about them in terms of investment but they try to, to, they pick funds out of them and you can invest in them. Mm-hmm. It's like the frontier. So that's quite interesting and you and, can have exposure for that.
0: And earlier we were also talking about other the regulations um, where the big institutional f- funds are either well, not linked to or, or they don't have to follow. So just, um, is it correct that they are like actual mutual funds or just active funds for retail investors? Are they also bound by like a lot of those similar regulations like that they have to like really inform investors extremely well or
1: do the, they also have like a different set of rules thank you for mentioning this out because yes. I should have mentioned to be honest when we say active fund it's not all the same thing so you have like unit trusts you have like OICS which is open-ended funds you have like CAPS which is like the French and Luxembourg like société Embassy Small Capital Variable and you have like closed uh, closed-ended uh, funds and you have like everything in between so you're right uh, there are differences between like unit trust and an OIC, although they are all like actively managed but each can each term so that's why i was saying like there's like an army of lawyers as well because these are the broad lines but each one will be different so for example an oic is like open-ended so many people can invest just like in units but if it is a ended it's not open for everyone so someone needs to get out sell their shares in order for you to buy their shares
0: it's like a limited partnership.
1: Exactly, yeah. yeah? Uh, unit trusts also like have different things than the OX. For Unit trusts have something called gearing. Mm-hmm. So gearing basically is like you borrow money in order to invest, but the board of directors or the trustees should authorize this in a way or another.
0: So you don't have any voting power on, on the decisions they make. It's yeah. just all done by them.
1: Yeah, but it's just like gearing is really it's... specialized with unit trust. Uh, you can check it later or if you're interested more in this kind of things, read about gearing or like whoever... Uh, listening to it so gearing mm-hmm. is a really interesting concept because like basically the fund as an entity can borrow money and it's like leverage you know yeah wow yeah mm-hmm. can borrow money and just like invest so that's quite interesting but in ox you can do it CCAfs is just like because of the location of luxembourg and france so that's like more european but you also see like british people or not british people like british entities investing also in CCAFs. It's just like, as I said, like that's like really regulations between countries, and it's uh, politics play a big part of it as well.
0: Understood. One thing I would also kind of like to dive into. So, lots of people within the financial independence movement will claim straight away, "Okay, hey, well, active funds have underperformed ETFs over the last ten years, and have to uh, pay crazy fees if I invest in them. Why even bother with them at all?"
1: That's a brilliant point. Uh, Many people say, "Like, yeah, instead of going to." I don't know, an active fund manager and buy a fund, just put like Vanguard Lifestyle or like... Uh, VWRL, like, just yeah. a world market fund that tracks the entire economy. Again, yeah, everything yeah. was 0.06 or 0.10. Mm-hmm. But you don't need really to pay Really low like, cost. Yeah, you don't need to pay like 1.5 or 1% or 2% for a greedy fund manager. Um, to be honest, this industry used to, like the active fund management used to be really greedy. Like they used to charge 4 and 5%. I mean, like imagine now if you think about it, like... <laughs> Uh, there are like some articles about pensioners, they couldn't even like get capital growth because if they get like 5% growth, let's say their mm-hmm. their fund performed like 5%, they need to pay like around 4 or 5% of it to to the fund manager. It's just like legacy, they call them like legacy fund managers or something. That's uh, nice. it's exactly, like the system was unfair. And the funny thing, like legally he can't even get out. It was like so complicated. Now the government is looking into it and something, but imagine like how all these people like lost this time. You can, you can get this time back on uh, the income. And in terms of charges, so I know obviously lots of funds um, uh charge
0: either front load cost or expense ratios exactly. platform fees. Um yeah,
1: correct. So it all adds up. Yeah. Are there any more like normal fees you should look out for? It's all adds up. And I think it's like online and like every financial advisors yeah. but just a disclaimer we are not financial advisors mm-hmm. here or something i think that's a really huge topic and always this issue like should we go like passive or active i yeah. think millennials as millennials are people are going for passive because this is what all you know but the only, only reason why i'm saying like passive is becoming famous because of 2008 after 2008 till now if you think about it we are in the bull market not 2008 in particular but let's say 2010 11 yeah. that's one of the longest bull markets like over years? well not over but like work. yeah but that's mm-hmm. one of the longest like yes. bull bull runs uh to be honest if you're riding the wave you're just like when so because now etfs are investing in a bull market they're just passive markets in general are going up so you ride the wave and you get good income but my problem or my question here is what if the market started correcting itself or what if there's like another 2008 i'm not seeing another two eight two thousand eight 2008 here because many regulations got introduced or something but something similar let's say because like it's cyclical at the end we all like and economics is cyclical so boom and bust it's always like this
0: at a certain point you will always either see a recession coming in or markets going lower and that's not a matter of doom and gloom or trying to time the market it's just simply how the markets work economic cycles at a certain point things go down
1: exactly So if you are investing in a passive fund and the markets are going, they're just like following tracker. So these ETFs will just really fall through with the market. But if you are an active fund manager, you try every, I think that's how you will shine. That's how active fund management will shine because they can basically reduce the risks. They can like do FX hedging, they can sell things, Uh, they can do everything they can. They go to another market or put it all in cash sell all the funding cash and maybe when the market is bottom what they buy so you can buy like you know sell high and buy low for example Mm -hmm. they can do this do this in a way or another you can't time the market I'm not saying like you can't no one can time the market I think but it's just uh, that's food for thought you know like that's why passive is so famous now because like basically everything is good I know that there there are like things going on with the trade war and everything and the market is very volatile at the moment but it doesn't mean that Passive is always their best way. So I think the best option is maybe to do a bit of mix between each other. And also it depends if you're like an income investor or just like you want, like invest in new technologies or just like passive, you just want, you don't want to spend your time on checking funds. So you just put like, I don't know, as you said, the whole world FTSE or like the whole world equities, you just put in that fund, you check all your money in it, and that's it, you forget about it.
0: What I'm extremely curious about, so we were speaking about this earlier and during 2008, it's kind of like a given that when you invested in uh, an active fund for it's a, bet, it's a fund only in like um, 48% of the cases based on uh, the UK article or quoting from right now, again, take the numbers with a grain of salt, but from um, um, which is effectively stating, okay, active funds in the end outperformed in 48% the cases against their tracker benchmark, which again is just a number and an indication the article is effectively saying it's been a coin toss if your active fund actually outperformed the tracker in that case or not and what I'm then curious about you know let's say we have another 2008 happening right now. I think there are a few things that are pretty important mentioning then as well. And Omar fill me in if I'm correct or correct me. the fees of the actual active funds have dropped massively since 2008. You know, if back then they charged three four percent but like right now we've seen a major drop as like a general trend because of the etfs the etfs have been pushing the active funds um as the an event them then charging 0.006 or whatever low fee active funds have to follow that trend they cannot charge four percent if another fund charges almost nothing
1: i know yeah uh, i think that's a really fair point to raise i was always wondering at the company like how these companies will pay like if you're just like paying 0.06, yes. so how you can afford paying your staff, buildings, electricity and all of that. But is it
0: just skilled, like they go into the trillions, the ETFs and that's why they exactly. can be so cheap.
1: Exactly. And if you think about it, it's all like huge institutions. So what the famous ETFs producers are like Vanguard, State Street and uh, BlackRock. Mm-hmm. So each one are like, they're one of the biggest wealth ma- asset managers and they have like trillions of asset under management, as you say. But the whole the Europeans one the European ones are not very famous into ETFs. I mean, like I know that Luxor and there's like French banks they have like shares. ETFs, iShares and iShares. I think it's owned by BlackRock. Okay, they bought it mm-hmm. from like Barclays at that time. So if you think about it, because of economies of scale, they can afford this. But if you are just like a boutique or or a normal institution or like not a, not a titan, let's say in size, it's just like medium size or even big it's just like it would be really challenging because you need to make some income in order to pay for fund manager we all know that fund managers are not are not like uh cheap you know but, but like it, all this uh <laughs> it's true like this stereotypical movies about like wolf of wall street this kind of thing it's true they are really expensive if you have front office they're extremely expensive people and you need to pay them
0: can we still make the case that um given the enormous advantages vanguard for example has that an active manager with options they've got available the availability to be flexible um either fx etching or like many different tools they got like we as retail investors or an etf would not use would they still be able like from your point of view to i mean not necessarily beat the market but in certain circumstances either provide less volatile returns or um or not less volatile returns but make sure your actual portfolio is less volatile or expose you to areas that offer opportunity in ETF would never get you into?
1: Uh, I believe so. For for example, if you want like decent income, like high income bonds, you don't see them in ETFs. Uh, some of the bonds will give you like six, 7% or 8%. I don't recall saying an ETF that can pay like eight, 7% because they don't have this access to private uh, equities and private loans and all these kind of things. So, but an active mm-hmm. fund manager, he can go and make deals, but with the ETFs, it's just like, oh, they care about passive. And to be honest with active fund manager, you pay also for the research because these people will do like contracts. They will go and speak to people. And like, for example, go to certain groups. You don't see it on the market. They'll just like release a bond or like equity mm-hmm. with them in order to pay you this high income, six seven percent You don't see it in the ETF. So part of this high high fee is like 1% now or like 0.8% is because of the research as well, to be honest, because they have a team and they do re- their research and stuff. But if you think about ETFs, it's just like mirroring in uh, a way or another. Uh, Copy-paste. Exactly.
0: Is it fair to say then that, okay, so we cannot necessarily make the case the active fund beats the ETF over the long run? It's the coin toss or whatever way we approach it or the better statistics that's up to the actual individual fund or the comparison or the benchmark but that in certain situations like the fund can make sense if i for example want to draw income or if i have a specific area i
1: want exposure to yeah like frontier markets yeah
0: yeah or i want a certain level of income or now let's say i am working in real estate in the uk or in france or whatever got major exposure to that um through like my actual job profession or private holdings and I can diversify away from that. Like, so effectively, we're not talking about outperforming, but we're talking about situations where it can make more sense for people who truly want to do their research to go for active funds.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think like as an investors, maybe we need to check with like we don't we shouldn't keep like any stone unturned, mm-hmm. as they say. So maybe the best way is just to diversify, like diversification all the time. Again, this is not like a financial. Uh, you know, advice or, anything. yes, but it's just like you're right, sometimes like being at the right place at the right time, at the right moment, so if if at the at this time, if you can invest, for example, in a passive and because of the market conditions are optimal, so basically you get the highest highest return with the lowest
0: uh that's an what you all want right the exactly, high, yeah, and one thing I'm then also straight away curious about, would you also be happy, kind of like. Explain what you do yourself personally. I'll go first, maybe, on that one, and then you can see what you think of it. Yeah. So what I do personally, I actually go for a mix. In the past, I used to be just purely ETF, ETF, and different growth stocks and stick to that. But through our conversations over the last month, I've also slowly moved more into funds and not necessarily um, buying myself like a highly leveraged active fund. In my case, funds that invest in B-plus graded bonds. Which in this case is the Sterling uh, high yield fund which I invest in, who offers like roughly I believe it's six point one percent. Yeah, which is quite it, decent. Yeah. It, yeah, as a yield and zero point six as an expense ratio. So is it amazing? Is it great? You can most definitely find ways to beat it, that for sure. But it beats for, uh, in this case for me it offers the opportunity to get cash flow in which I can reinvest and we can make all kinds of cases of the market being overvalued, etc. And worries about that. I still invest quite a bit into actual ETFs on a monthly basis I probably pump 1500 into VWRL Vanguard and I keep repeating that because I believe in the long run that ETFs in the market and the economy will keep growing but I do feel it's important to diversify away with the tools we've got because simply relying on an ETF and saying I withdraw four percent after um, I'm retired or whatever and I'm done and solely just basing myself on that I think that is risky.
1: I think I think that's a really sensible approach, and I'm starting ex- like checking other types of investments as well. So to be honest, as you said, in my case, I have never invested in shares. I was always like uh, stocks, which is yes. like fund of funds, um, just my nature. I don't like to put all my money in one company. And like, let's say BMW or like uh, Volkswagen. Like, I wouldn't like to. Yeah. Maybe they are really good performing, really well, but one thing can like destroy everything. For example, if you think about like Volkswagen, they had like the emission, the emission mm-hmm. scandal. Like the thing with companies, like one CEO can say a dumb thing or like they can get caught or guard with something, they can ruin everything. So that's why I like funds, it's just like diversify. However, sometimes I, I agree with you. Like sometimes if I'm paying for funds and they're like charging 1.5% and it's like out, it's like underperforming, it's a horrible feeling. And in the UK, like uh, recently, there's a really famous thing about like uh, Woodford. If you heard about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, very familiar.
1: Yeah. So Woodford was a star fund manager. He was like very famous because he used to work for Invesco and now he's working. He opened his own company. And he was so famous that when he first opened his fund, he attracted nine billion. Imagine like, how big is this like
0: well, like as in people signed in for 9 billion because he was yeah, yeah 9 mm-hmm.
1: billion asset under management when he got one of his funds he was so famous he was the superstar of like uh, active fund management cuz he used to be for Invesco he worked there for 20 years he outperformed the market he was like extremely successful and can we call Warren, him the
0: UK Warren Buffett?
1: Exactly some people call him actually the UK Warren Buffett I'm not kidding like so some people like in some articles they mentioned this like he was the UK Warren Buffett but now you can tell, like, just his fund, like, got suspended. Some One of his fund got suspended. It's just, like fighting people. Like, people are extremely angry. They can't they, they invest their investments. They can't take their money out. It's just suspended. Nothing. Even the government couldn't do much. Like, there are many articles, but see, mm-hmm. they have, like, an army of, like, uh, lawyers and stuff. So he got away with it in a way or another. So just... He's like, just, like, reputation got tarnished, but yes. it doesn't mean that. His fund now is, like, minus, like, minus... 15% or 20% from all-time high. Like, that's horrible if you're an investor.
0: But there are, all, in other words, even, you know, which funds, there's a risk they go under. Correct. Even just like companies go bankrupt. I mean, it might not have happened often, but yeah.
1: even- It's happened with him. Yeah, exactly. So there are many underlying issues. Uh, once you read the articles and there are a couple of articles on the Financial Times about it, it was about like illiquid investments, yes. but that's another story.
0: But it's, but it's very
1: fair, Colin. Exactly. But mm-hmm. so in this case, if I'm investing with this active match and I get like, yeah. bitten, I wouldn't like this feeling I'll feel horrible. So I'll say like, you know what, if I have checked, if I put my money in a FTSE 100, I would have saved myself a lot of time and energy and like all this agony. So I agree with you in this kind of, in this sense, like, yeah, a FTSE is nicer. But I I don't think we should have this like approach black and white. Why not having it all? Like, why just like, put like, I don't know, you want income, just put a couple of decent bonds or like high income mm-hmm. bonds. You want say for example, if I'm going to invest in America, okay, I'll go, for example, like SP100 uh, tracker, or like if I want to invest in the UK, FTSE 100 tracker. And that's why I can have the best of both worlds, I think, but you need to spend more time and read about things, I guess.
0: And I, and I feel it's, it's kind of about making the balance between, I don't want to be a stock analyst. Yeah. I want to spend evenings like checking exactly. every single fund, mm-hmm. but I do feel it's solely relying on a Vanguard on um and i shares or whatever and their etfs index markets when they go down the etfs exactly follow them exactly if we have an 8 obviously etfs weren't as big back then but now they're far far larger um trillions have gone in since uh in the last 10 years in the last decade. And um, if they exactly follow the 50 percent <laughs> drop uh, we saw
1: in eight the, yeah imagine the, overnight we'll have 20 percent. the thing is with yeah. etfs also mm-hmm. the difference between etfs and active fund managers or OX or yes. Unit Trust. It's just like with ETFs, it's like instantly with the market. So you can buy it and sell it at the time of the market opening. With the OX, the pricing will be always the day after. So it's like T plus one. For example, because they need to have close of the business. Because let's say one of the funds, one of the Oic or the Unit Trust is investing in forty, fifty uh shares. So they need to uh, they need to wait until all these markets close like China, America um, all these geographical places closed. They do the calculations, which is the enough. They produce enough, and they release it the next day.
0: Okay, but the markets like compensate for that just based on the information they got and like correct. Then on like live market days, or is it just so too vague for them to like really correct on the spot?
1: No, uh, with ETFs, uh, it's, it's to be the same as like in yeah, the market. Okay, so it's like uh, for sure with the ETFs like pricing. Take into consideration the mechanism of the pricing yes. of ETFs but uh yeah it would be like you can buy it instantly and sell it instantly but in the case of active managed, sometimes it takes like two to th- uh, three to four working days because there's like trade and settlement
0: there's so much actually going on in the background it's not necessarily published on the spot
1: exactly so mm-hmm. yeah you need to wait another day until you so it's always t plus one you get the prices always the next day for example like today tuesday yeah. if i check like if i'm investing in a fund it will be the value of this fund based on the prices of yesterday um, Do you see what I mean? Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. What I then, uh, so with this approach, like I personally, I like it because it diversifies me, but it's always kind of the question between, you know, the extra stability I gain, potentially lower losses, potentially larger returns by, you know, exposure to unique areas. Mm-hmm. Is it worth my time to throw in a certain amount of hours to find these funds, um, combine it with my ETF investment approach? versus just piling it all into ETFs. Um, I personally would say it's not about superior returns. It's about stronger, more diversified returns. And the combination of ETFs and funds will hopefully offer you that. Well, hopefully it's again, always do your own research and go from there. I think those are very good call Omar. So what I also think, well, we kind of like covered now, now the, the pros and cons Um, of investing in active funds and i think we've been extremely critical um of active funds in every possible way because you work in industry uh but we've been bashing them quite badly in every (laughs) i
1: mean to be honest yeah I'm, i'm quite biased i guess uh but on the other hand It doesn't mean that everything we read online about active and passive is correct because there will be a lot of politics, a lot of marketing. Don't forget these people like have teams and they have like they collect data and like they monitor Mm -hmm. every single thing in order to get to get you to invest with them. So probably they will sometimes bash the other side. Sometimes they will tell you like the other side is not good. If you are a passive, let's say if you are a passive investor, say like, oh, active is horrible. And you will put all these like stats about like how horrible is active management. Uh, when you are like for example i was one of the meetings uh with the one of the companies i'm not going to mention names but and i remember like one of the fund managers was saying like oh i wish like there is a correction so people can realize how good active management was like when the market was going downturn they will shine because they can have their own mechanisms to control or subsidize this problem like Mm -hmm. uh, when the market is going down however with etfs there the fund manager was very adamant that won't happen. Like they won't have any mechanism to stop it. So see, like you are talking about two people, like talking about different things. I think as an investor, we need to get the best of both worlds. Like I think that's what it means to be a good investor or a savvy investor.
0: I think it's a very fair uh, goal. And in the end, to like really genuinely like review things, we have to wait another ten years, get another crash. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I think so. Yeah, everyone is waiting for the crash. Because, yeah. Again,
0: active funds have always had you know a pretty. Uh, sizable position within the market ETFs have always been you know, large but the truly big road has only been over But last...
1: it's exponential now especially with millennials like with our generation like yes. millennials like mm-hmm. it's just like always especially Americans I've noticed mm-hmm. Americans they go to the vanguard and in every forum for investment they say like oh yeah why you're bothering yourself just put like in a lifestyle vanguard and that's it again this is not like Giving people advice to invest with Vanguard it's just like, do your own research. It's not an, it's not an advice but
0: and Can I understand? I like Vanguard. I personally invested quite a bit with Vanguard, yeah, so. but it's okay. So I, I think from making very fair goals with this, um, people have to, you know, leave things up to their own judgment in terms of actually doing research. So say I've got an active fund in front of me. What are the things that are really worth looking at? Um, that's a
1: That's a brilliant question. Uh, there will be three things I will look at. First, how many asset under, um, assets under management? For example, is it like a billion or like 20 million? If it is an active fund manager, it's 20 million. It's scary to be honest. It's like many people are investing in it. It's like in some of the companies, the minimum to open a mandate is like 20 or 50 million. Like other, they won't look They won't look at the fund at all. Like if it's not like over a certain amount. So they're like famous funds. They have like six and seven billion. So that's like quite a good number and gives me a good like means like people are liking it or sticking with the fund the second part would be the uh, the charges for sure i wouldn't like to pay for a fund two percent or 1.5 if i find something for 0.8 or one percent or 0.6 why not
0: that's a, you would say that's a fair average industry rate but going beyond that yeah, either you have to see like you know an average twenty five percent
1: return over the last exactly. years. Yeah, I need yeah. to see like really something extraordinary yes. in order to justify this two percent. But if it's like, and also, although although then this industry they say like past performance is not an indication of future performance. But I will have a look also at the fund manager, just a quick, and I will read also the fund description because each fund has a description. Prospectus, right? Uh, exactly. Prospectus. I'm not expecting you, like, you know, like the terms and conditions. For example, you buy like an Apple phone, and I'm not expecting people to read like, yes. the, everything. But focus on like the performance, the past performance. Uh, on the top, on the top, like assets they're investing in or the geographical locations. I think that would make a big difference. So, as I said, like, I say three, but now I guess like four or five points. So geographical locations, the first 10 funds. For example, if I see like a fund investing in Apple and Microsoft and Visa, okay, I say like, okay, so they're investing in IT and finance. So they're mm-hmm. doing, so it gives you an idea because they give you the, the 10 biggest assets or the 10 fun, biggest funds in this fund. The the fund manager. I'll read about him a bit. So like his reputation. Just see yeah. what you
0: can find about. Mm-hmm. Him. Just Google him. Google like, the name.
1: Uh, there are quite uh, there are quite good uh, websites for that as well. There's like Morningstar. Morningstar is becoming very famous now for funds. I really
0: I really like them. I use them personally quite. Yeah, a bit. there's <laughs> like
1: uh, Trust Fund. I like Trust Fund as a website because they give like percentage and like the performance of the fund. And they have like gold, silver, and bronze. I quite like this. So.
0: And websites like Investopedia or You Finance, yeah. are those also worth mentioning?
1: Investopedia is good if you want to understand something that is not very clear, because okay. sometimes they put jargon or like very ambiguous language, and so it's like really confusing. Good generic them.
0: websites to find out about um, information. Any websites for backtesting? Uh, you, you're familiar with where you would mention? With back. uh, backtesting? So uh, in terms of I got something running for a certain period and i want to compare it against periods or would you say that's not uh...
1: i've never thought about it to be honest before it's just like for me because like i'm more into industry and like by experience i know funds but uh fair call. i think that's very cool so i don't know google has everything these days so yeah that, that's a, I, I remember yeah. seeing one for etfs so ETFs. i remember it was like an index for all the etfs and it tells you about each etf in particular but I can remember one for active fund manager, maybe because like with active fund manager, they don't, you can't see all the details on the fund manager. For example, like when you see a fund, they, you just see the top 10 holdings, but you can't see all the 40 or 50 funds. It's just like the asset managers keep it as a secret for themselves because like their secret it's a is a secret, secret, exactly.
0: which I can understand because in ideal world, I would like to load all those funds into a backtesting tool and like compare my you know etf portfolio against like a fund portfolio combined with etfs and see if there are any differences yeah, I, but the, the, you're saying it would be tricky to do
1: yeah exactly because they won't release all their details however i just compare sometimes let's say if i'm investing in asia or in china i'll just compare multiple funds for example for like fidelity asia versus invisco asia versus uh Investec asia and say like doing better. Yeah, you can the compare charges, them. Exactly, like you put the graphs next to each other and then now we say, okay, maybe this one is the best one and I'll go for it.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so in other words, uh, if anybody of the listeners has a really great backtesting tool out there or a way of doing this, please let us know because it would be extremely good for actually doing research. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think with those, you know, we've covered the topic uh, quite well, extremely critically of the funds and yeah, it is a bit unfortunate because maybe in another world people would have been more positive about them and if they would have done amazingly over the last five six years the whole world would be positive about them but that's also um yeah why it's good to be critical about actual funds and like not expose them but just be honest where is there a place for funds and where not is there any point investing in them at all maybe for some people there's just literally no point and they can ignore them up to your own judgment um but yeah, anyway, I think those uh, things kind of like sum up uh, the episode and it's a good way to slowly round up. But I'm really curious, Are there any last words you would recommend people? So
1: I think, yeah, we were saying, we were talking about, joking about it. You know, like Warren Buffett is one of the <laughs> most famous investors in the world with value investing and everything. And I read somewhere, I'm not sure if it is true or not, but I read somewhere that in his will, he's he's telling his wife to sell everything and just to put all her money in like SP500 ETF and that's it. So although he's like an active fund manager, he just told his wife to put everything, chuck all her money just like in in an ETF following the SP500 and... Go
0: Sibbler and you'll be fine.
1: Yeah. I guess... So it tells you something, you know, like, it's like the irony or... So, although he's like an active fund manager but
0: very very cool, and yeah that again uh, explains how complicated the world is and how you know much smarter we have to be to actually understand and
1: follow yeah things. we have like more data more information yeah. it's it's hard to take a decision these days there are so many options like gives you a headache man and we don't even speak about bitcoins now they are they are are planning to release an etf like they have been the community of like crypto and like bitcoin they have been really trying to release an etf like they've been trying forever and i think the second the us just like blocking it but i guess it's just a matter of time until it becomes like more mainstream and like they'll release an etf
0: that way then it creates so many uh, asset classes and anyway i think before we go down that rabbit hole yeah exactly uh, let's finish up the episode and leave it for another one uh omar thank you so much for sharing your wisdom thank you and guys thank you so much for listening as well have a very awesome evening wherever or morning wherever you are hey matthias do you think there are not enough financial independence facebook groups yet Yes, there's
1: definitely a shortage in financial independence Facebook groups. That's why we want to create another one. And the real reason is that we want to get some feedback on our episodes to have a conversation with our listeners, um, to follow on the topics. And you might also have some questions around our content
0: gotcha and also we've been talking with more of you guys at meetups on reddit in facebook groups the fight europe retreat obviously we organized and this is in the end the main reason why we started the whole podcast project to talk to guys like you i learn more from you case studies answer questions and like hopefully all grow and learn from that together in the end and become stronger smarter and hopefully also richer people so you know matthias yeah, say i'm interested in this where do i find this facebook group
1: Yeah, just go to your Facebook app and type in FI Europe podcast or just click in our show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group or go to our website. There's also a link. So yeah, just type in FI Europe podcast. See you in the group. Thank you guys
0: for listening to this episode. We hope you learned something new and enjoyed the show. You can support us by doing this. Subscribing through your favorite podcast program and leaving us a review.